used to say, uh, God's people sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But the liberal sings it this way, what can wash away my sins? Nothing. And they stop right there. I'm glad the blood of Jesus washes away all sins. He's able to cleanse us tonight. Thank God for the singing and the choir and the testimonies tonight. Please continue to pray for Pastor Nim as they make their way home uh, this weekend. If you have your Bible tonight, let's go to the book of John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. I normally would not preach a message like I have tonight unless the pastor is present. But I can't get this text off my heart, and I'm not implying anything with the one tonight. And you'll know what I'm referring to when I give you the title to my sermon here in just a moment. Uh, But I hope that it'll be of some help to you and certainly be a stern warning in the day and age in which we live. I love our church. I love Bible Baptist Church. I love our pastor, love the family, and thank God for your prayers and for all the Lord's doing. If you have your Bible in John chapter number 6, let's stand. If you're able to stand in reverence to the reading of the scriptures and the word of God tonight. And we'll begin reading, uh, let's begin reading in verse number uh, 64. Verse number 64 down through uh, 71. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, For he it is, or was, that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Go with me to John chapter number 13 for just a moment, and we'll read one verse of Scripture to complete our text for the night and bring the message the Lord has laid on our heart. John 13, verse number 27. After the sob, Satan entered to him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We do love you and we thank you for our church. Thank you for what our ears have heard, what our eyes have seen, and what our hearts have felt already with the choir singing, the specials, the testimonies. Lord, for your good presence, I would ask you now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray your continued blessings upon our church and upon our pastor. And God, may you continue to have your hand upon this ministry. And God, may you continue to add membership and may you continue to save souls may you continue to change lives and we'll ask these things and we pray in Christ's name amen amen you may be seated I want to draw our attention tonight to the book of John chapter number six and verse number 70 Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he has mentioned to them Simon in verse number 68 said Simon Peter answered him Lord to whom shall we go Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thank God for the recognition of Peter and the fact that he had some discernment and depth about him to realize that Christ was the Son of God. He proceeds to tell us that in the latter part of verse number 69. But I want to draw our attention, if I may, this evening to verse number 70. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And notice the following phrase, And one of you is a devil. I want to preach tonight with the help of God on this subject matter, on this thought, the disciple 
who Jesus called a devil. The disciple who Jesus called a devil. In the text, the Bible very clearly tells us that Jesus chose the twelve. And so, and he said, is not one of you a devil? And so the Bible is very clearly telling us that Jesus Christ, when he chose Judas, he knew that Judas would betray him. Now, I know we would expect that because he was God in the flesh and his deity, 100% God and yet 100% man. And as to why Jesus would choose Judas as a disciple only in eternity, I believe, well, we know the answer to that. The Bible tells us that he was a betrayer. Everyone hates a betrayer. No one likes him. Even school kids don't like a tattler or a tattletale a bearer. Prisoners don't like snitches. In fact, if they're found out, they're usually killed almost immediately. Christians despise gossipers. And yet we find that Jesus chose Judas and knowing that he was going to be a betrayer. He was going to be one that would turn his back on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. No mother or father would call their son Judas because there's no child bad enough to be called Judas but then no parent would call their son Jesus as well because no son is good enough to be called Jesus. As we consider the matter of Judas and the disciples, I have met many that have been named after the disciples or at least bear the name of many of the disciples. Peter, John, Luke, and down the line, I'll not take time to mention all of them, Matthew and so forth. But in all of my years, soon to be 64 years of life on earth, I have never met an individual whose name was Judas. And I thank God that I haven't. Being from Judah, he was probably raised in a religious home. More than likely, uh, Judas was raised in a home where he was taught the Old Testament law of the Ten Commandments and probably had uh, somewhat of a godly influence in his home. Uh, We find that Satan chose Judas to enter into him to betray Christ because he was the most likely candidate of the 12 disciples that Jesus had chose and he was the most likely to succeed in betraying Christ and selling him out for 30 pieces of silver of which we'll see momentarily. I want to give us four things tonight very speedily on the things that we can learn from the life of Judas. I'm not implying there's a Judas in our midst tonight, but if Jesus had one in 12 that was a Judas, a devil, then it would stand to reason that probably tonight there is someone here that is a betrayer, someone that is possibly a hypocrite in the way they live. They're one way at church and another way at home. I remember years ago, our pastor in Portland, Oregon, was telling the story of little Amy, their daughter, their oldest daughter, and uh, there was a firstborn, and so they were going down the road, and he had this little game that we would play with her, and a Budweiser truck would drive by, and he'd go, bang, we hate Budweiser, bang, we hate Budweiser. And Amy would say, bang, Daddy, we hate Budweiser. And uh, another liquor truck would come by, and he'd say, bang, we hate liquor. And she'd say, bang, Daddy, we hate liquor. And it just went on and on for uh, quite some time, for several months, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, we're going, they were going down the road, and little Amy looked over and said, Bang, Daddy, we hate liquor. Bang, Daddy, we hate Budweiser. Bang, Daddy, we hate drugs. Bang, Daddy, we hate the drunkard. Bang, Daddy, we just hate everybody and everything, don't we, Daddy? <laughs> he had a little explaining and teaching to do, and 
which he did, thankfully. But as we consider this text tonight, I want to give you four things that we can learn about Judas, and they're very simple, nothing profound, but I hope that we can make some practical application tonight. Who was Judas? He was the only one of the disciples who was not from Galilee. He was not a Galilean. He was a Judean from Judah. We find that he was distinct in that particular uh, purpose. We find that uh, he made himself an outsider from the very start. He was a man that was corrupt. He had a heart that was self-centered, a heart that was concerned about Judas and Judas only. He had no compassion toward others. In fact, he was so engrossed in money, he could even care less about Jesus himself, the Savior, for he was willing to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. A little a lover of money, and yet we find that the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. I'm reminded of Randy when he was just young, our son, and he thought he was called to preach at a young age, and so he preached for a short season. And the pastor one time asked him, said, Randy, would you like to preach a little bit before your daddy comes to preach? He said, I sure would. And so he got up, and I don't know where he learned. It's probably a deacon's kid somewhere along the way, you know. Pick on the deacons a little bit tonight. And uh, he got up and he said, you know, God loves uh, a sad giver, and God loves a, a glad giver. And he said, in fact... Uh, God loves a rejoiceful giver, a rejoicing giver and a joyful giver, but he'll even take it from a grouch. And I reminded one time when he told his sister after I told the story the other night about her uh, taking advantage of him with the dollars and the coins and then also uh, cheating him out of all of his chocolate. And he said to her one day, he said, I'm going to teach you some Bible. He said, it is more blessed to give than receive, so you give and I'll receive. And that was kind of the philosophy of Judas in the text in the Bible. He was focused on earthly things. He was a hypocrite. He was deceiving those who were around him. And he is the only disciple who never called Jesus Lord. All the other 11 disciples uh, professed that Jesus was Lord, but never did Judas prescribe that Jesus was Lord. We find in John chapter number uh, 12 and verse number 1 through 8, it represents an important aspects of Jews, uh, Judas's character. Uh, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, has come. Uh, she has an expensive alabaster box with oil and uh, perfume and anointed the body of Jesus. And Judas got upset with her. In fact, he uh, reached a point of indignation and he uh, got irate. And he began to proclaim that that could have been sold for a certain amount of money and given to the poor. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus himself is very clear in the Bible and the teaching that Judas, he really didn't care about the poor at all. What Judas cared about was the cost and the value or the expense of that earthly item in which she anointed and broke uh, the alabaster box that she broke in the ointment that she anointed the body of Jesus with. He was more concerned about the value of earthly things and spiritual things. That's Judas. Let me quickly give you what, Judas, what we can learn by Judas. First, we learn that ill-gotten means do not satisfy the Bible says that he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And in the New Testament era, 
a male slave was told, sold for 20 pieces of silver and a female slave was sold for 30 pieces of silver. And so we find that Judas was willing to sell him for the value that he could get out of the most for betraying Christ. And we find that Judas found out that ill-gotten means is not worth it. And I say to us tonight that ill-gotten means were not only good for Judas, they're not good for you and I. If we have to cheat our way through or lie our way through or connive our way through, we will find in the end that we are unsatisfied, unfulfilled, discouraged, disappointed, and will be devastated by the outcome. And not only was he ill-fated in his ill-gotten means, I'll prove that he was not satisfied, though he got the highest price he could get for Christ, when it was all said and done, he took the money back to the money changers and the Bible says he tossed the money back at them. When it was all said and done, Judas didn't want the money. He found out that he did not give him the fulfillment that he thought he needed and wanted. And I just want to say this tonight in passing, and that is that I think we need to be careful about our finances and our job and money. Uh, we may be get able to make more money but it may not be that there is a church in the area where we might have to relocate to. It might be that there is not a value eternally in our making the extra funds. And may I say to you that we need to be careful that we do not make a decision that when it's all said and done, we'll be like Judas and have the regret of our lives. Notice that Judas was involved in a and serve the Lord in a Christian environment. You say, how do you mean that, preacher? Well, he was with Jesus personally day in and day out. He was with the 11 disciples as they were taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he was taught by Christ himself. We find that he was with the disciples daily. We find that he saw the same miracles that Jesus performed on a regular basis and on a daily basis. He saw Peter walk on the water. He saw the lame healed and, and he saw God work in the life of the leper and he saw the great miracles. He saw Jesus turn the water into wine. He was taught personally by Jesus Christ. He saw the same miracles that the other 11 disciples saw and yet Jesus said, you're a devil. He heard him preach and teach, and I don't know about you, and I get to heaven, I do want to see my loved ones. I want to see my parents, my mother and dad, my siblings, and my uh, heroes, some of them that have passed on to go, uh, be with the Lord and glory, uh, but I can't wait to hear Jesus preach. You say, well, I, what kind of a preacher is he? A powerful preacher. In fact, he's so powerful that when they brought a lady that had been caught in the act of adultery and was trying to entrap him and her, he simply took his finger and bowed on the ground. And the Bible said he rode in the sand and all that uh, heard him fled, all that heard him speak. And the Bible didn't say that he verbally spoke anything. He just took his finger, wrote in the sand, and the Word of God, the written Word of God, spoke just as it does in the blessed Bible that we have. It's hard to say black back book, but the red back book we have tonight. The Bible speaks and is the written Word of God, and we find that Judas had the same preaching, the same teaching from Christ that the other disciples had. He heard him 
preach, but he still went to hell. May I just say this? Judas found out too late that doing ministry does not save and been raised in a Christian or a religious home does not save and been involved in ministry does not save. I remember, and I've told the story of a preacher that I preached for, Peggy and I, several years in a row, and as we were there, uh, he did some things that uh, no preacher, I've heard some tough preaching, but never a preacher like this preacher. And um, we was wrapping up a Faith Promise Missions Conference, and on a Sunday morning, we were going to take up the offering, and uh, everyone was seated, and I don't know how many was in the auditorium, maybe at that time, around 75 to 80, 85, and um, everybody on this side, he said, I want everybody but you two gentlemen to get on this side. And uh, so we all moved over there, and I thought, that's a strange thing, but that just do what the preacher said, you know, I'm a guest. And all the church moved over, and he left them. He said, I want two of you men to go stand behind him. And uh, got two of his biggest ushers, and they stood behind him. He said, I want you to escort them out of the church. And he railed on them while they were being marched out of the church. They had uh, caused a pastor friend of his down the road a lot of grief, and the pastor died of a massive heart attack from all the stress that they put him through. And, buddy, he let them have it. And I nudged Peggy. I said, there goes the Faith Promise Missions commitment. And you know what? It almost doubled that, that Sunday morning. I throw Peggy after it's over. I said, I should have known. They're scared to death of the preacher. They'd either give or get one of the two. Now, I said all that to say this tonight. Now, I told you in the beginning, I forewarned you, it's a little different message. But I'm simply saying that Judas learned several of these things, but it was too late to change it. May we learn to uh, distinguish and have some discernment about what we do and our decisions and our finances and the way we live and our lack of discretion sometimes. May we not be like Judas and learn our lessons too late. When they had taken Jesus to crucify him, it was too late for him to understand his hypocrisy. It was too late for him to understand that he had sold the darling lamb of God, the son of God, for 30 pieces of silver. It was too late. He could not reverse the decisions he had made. We better be careful that we don't become a Judas. Where did Judas go after he died? There's some debate and discretion concerning that matter, but I, some believe he was saved, some believe that he wasn't saved, and you say, well, preacher, what do you believe? Well, it doesn't matter what really I believe, it matters about what the Bible says. And so let's see what the Bible says about it. Notice in John 6 and verse number uh, 64, and then we'll look at other portions of our text. Notice what, please, in verse number 64, he said, but there are some of you that believe not. So here we have Jesus addressing the disciples, and he is saying to the 12 of them, because he has already said, have I not chosen 12 of you, and one of you is the devil. And so we find that Jesus is addressing them, and he says to them, but there are some of you that believe not. Judas was in the crowd of the unbelievers. And tonight you cannot go to heaven without faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Peter said, we know who thou art. We believe that thou art the Son of God. Judas, as I said, never professed Jesus as Lord. And so Jesus himself addresses Judas with a crowd, and he says to Judas that he is among those that believe not. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that, watch this, believed not. And who should watch this in case you have any questions about Judas. The Bible says, and who should betray him. And so Jesus is saying the one that is going to betray him is among those that believe not. They believe not that Jesus was the Son of God. They believe not that he was the Lamb of God. They believe not that he was God in the flesh. They believe not that he was a sacrificial Lamb of God. They believe not that his blood would cleanse all humanity. They believe not that Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice to do away with all sacrifices in human history. And that he had become the sacrifice once for all. Judas believed not. And then notice, if you would with me, please. In verse number 70, Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen twelve? And watch this. And I said it already, and one of you is a devil. Do you think devils go to heaven? And Jesus called Judas a devil. I notice what he says in verse number 71. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Can I just say to you, according to the scriptures in John 13 and verse number 27, and after the sop Satan entered into him, then said Jesus unto him that thou that thou doest do quickly. Can I say to you tonight that Christians cannot be demon-possessed? The devil cannot possess a Christian and move in and indwell. You say, why, preacher? Because if a Christian has been saved and born again, the Holy Spirit of God moves into the heart, takes up a boat in the believer's life, and therefore the devil, Satan, cannot cohabitate with God or with Christ. And I want to say to you tonight, by the very fact that Jesus said that the devil entered into him is proof that Judas was not saved. And the Bible said he went into his own place. Could I just say to you tonight that Judas went to hell from a high position? Judas went to hell fooling and deceiving those that were around him. And he went to hell even doing Christian work. He served the Lord, served the disciples for ill gains, but served them nonetheless. I want to give you a last thought and I'll be done. What can we learn from Judas? Number one, don't give foothold to the devil in your life. Don't open up a small chink in the armor. I tell our missionaries in every missionary class we have at Rock of Ages Ministries in our training classes, if you as a couple have chinks in your armor, your relationship, you better get them mended before you become a missionary. Because the smallest crack and chink that Satan can find is a doorway of entrance into the heart and the mind. It's not that a possession of a Christian, but he can bring oppression. I'll give you an example. We were getting ready to uh, preach in one of the schools in Uganda. 
in the country of Africa, and some of the um, ill-fated charismatics of the uh, country and the city we're in had learned that we were coming in to preach, and they rushed in, in front of us and began to conduct services. We were standing and waiting for them, and we didn't stand out of sight. We stood in sight so they'd know we were there. They performed their services, and I cannot get into all the details of it tonight, the demonic activity. But as this gentleman began to go into convulsions and his eyes rolled back in his sockets and he passed out, supposedly slain in the Spirit. He was slain in the Spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And then when we had the opportunity to preach, the tension that we uh, faced inside that institution or that school and the institutions where uh, they tried to get ahead of us, could I just say to you, that this man professed to be religious, but he was not a Christian. You say, why? Because we saw the obvious inhabitation of Satan in his heart and in his life. And a Christian cannot be possessed, but I say to you that Peter uh, there in the Scriptures, he was never possessed, but he sinned and he transgressed and he fell the Lord. And yet we find Peter went on and repented after he had uh, betrayed Christ and ran from him. But Judas, on the other hand, went out and he hung himself. And the Bible said he went into his own place. Do not give the devil a chink in the armor. Secondly, set your heart on things above, not on things below. We find that Judas was more concerned about the dollar. Now, I understand that it takes money to live. It takes money as a missionary. It takes money as a church member. It takes money. It just takes funding to live in the day and age we live. But may I say to you that we need to set our heart on things above, not on the things of this earth, not on the things of this life, not on the things that satisfies the flesh, but on the things that satisfies God. I was in a conference in 2008 and preached and a gentleman came up to me after the services, after the big uh, recession, they call it the Great Recession now that we were, went through in 2008. He was weeping profusely and he said to me, he said, Brother Ellis, I've got to share something with you. He said, I have large investments in the stock market and, and uh, investments all over. And he said, for some time, the Holy Spirit had been impressing on my heart uh, to take my dividends, part of it, and give it uh, to the work of God. And he said, I struggle with that. And he said, I just couldn't come to the grips with actually making that commitment and forfeiting all those funds. He said, I wouldn't have lost my initial investment, but I would have lost all of my dividends that came in. He began to weep profusely again. He said, Brother Ellis, he said, it was a large amount. He said, my dividends would have been over 250 to upwards of $300,000. And the Holy Spirit kept impressing me to give this to the church and ministry. And he said, I fought with it and struggled with it and I battled with it. And he said, then we were hit with the Great Recession. And he said, Brother Ellis, let me tell you something. I not only lost my dividends, I lost a large portion of my investment. He said, I'm going to stand before God one day and I'm going to give an account of the fact that I was earthly minded and was unyielding to the Holy Spirit of God. On the other hand, 
it may have been upwards of 18 years ago, I was preaching in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the Eastside Baptist Church. In the evening service of the close, a man came forward, prayed, he motioned for the pastor. The pastor came down and talked with him, and long story short, the gentleman, and I don't know what kind of investments he had, but he had, that night, the church had a balloon payment coming due uh, that week, actually, and that night, the man came forward, the pastor told me, he said, pray, I have no idea how we're going to make this payment, we're probably getting ready to lose everything. And that night, a man came forward, he prayed, and he motioned for the pastor, and the pastor went to the altar, he came up, and he said, Brother Ellis, you're not going to believe what God's doing tonight. And that man stood and gave his testimony, and he said, I have my investments, and I've got money that I don't need. And he said, I want to, the Lord has impressed on my heart, I'm going to donate it to the church to make our balloon payment. It was almost a million dollars due on his payment. I can say of this man that he is not earthly minded. He is not more concerned about the monetary value of things. He is willing to invest in the work of God. And I wonder what God could do tonight if all of us, and I hope pastor don't mind me saying this tonight, but I wonder what God would do tonight at Bible Baptist Church if all of us came to that realization and that place in our life that we're not going to live like Judas and, and be a stingy or at least earthly-minded in this area. We're going to be leading, led by the Holy Spirit of God, and we're going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God, and we're going to give according to the will of God and the Holy Spirit. It may be that we could have our new building up within a few short months. You say, you really think so? God's able. then we find that there are eternal consequences to our decisions, and especially where it's concerning Christ. I want to say this. Judas found out that it's dangerous to trifle with truth. There's a point and a place of no return. Don't abuse your God-given privileges. Don't abuse church. Don't abuse the prayer. Don't abuse the Bible. Let us not abuse our opportunity of witnessing. and Let us not abuse our opportunity of worshiping. We should never sell out our convictions to the world. As they come to the instruments and get ready to close tonight, Judas goes down in history with people like Cain, Balaam, Herod, Korah, Hitler, Mussolini, and many others throughout history that have been God-haters. He was so anti-God that he never called Jesus Lord and could bring himself to professing it. However, Judas was worse than all the notorious murderers of our generation. Hitler with the six million Jews gassed and killed and slaughtered in the Holocaust pales in comparison to Judas because Judas betrayed the very Son of God, the very Lamb of God. Someone has said, and I'll close with this, what you do for Christ will determine whether you choose to live as a John or 
a Judas. It's your choice tonight. It's my choice. What will we choose? Our fathers, we bow before your throne.